Hello, welcome to the Healthy Alternatives podcast. I am Dr. Christine Sauer with DocChristine.com. Today's show is a recording of my radio show of the same name. Enjoy! Good afternoon, this is Dr. Christine Sauer, your host of the show Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOE FM with live stream on communityradio.ca every Thursday at 12 noon Atlantic Standard Time. Thanks for tuning in today. In this show, I will talk mostly with guests about all aspects of health, healthcare and wellness from conventional to alternative and everything in between. My mission for this radio show is to help change people's lives for the better by informing them about different options to get and stay healthy and well so they can choose for themselves which option might work in their case. And if you feel you are stuck in a dark place, I want to tell you, don't give up. There is a light at the end of the tunnel for you too. Today, I am very pleased to be with Rachel Cohn McDermott, a psychologist and mental health counselor specializing in relationship counseling. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Now, Rachel, tell me a little bit about yourself and what I always like to know is why did you become a counselor? What's your history about it? And why are you passionate about relationship counseling? <clears throat> Well, why I became a therapist and counselor um, probably had a little to do with the family history that I had. My mother was a psychiatrist. My father was a clinical psychologist. Um, my grandfather was a psychiatrist. My uncle was a, a psychiatrist, too. Um, my older sister became a social worker. I've always been intrigued by Uh, people, what makes them tick, what motivates them to do what they do, um, why they're driven to do what they do, and how they um, overcome obstacles, uh, tap into their strengths, what they struggle with, and what they turn to in order to better themselves or make sense of it or bring clarity into their lives. So that's uh, probably a big reason why I pursue what I what I did. Um, wow, and that is that is fascinating. Now let yeah. me ask a question: uh, How was it growing up with a psychiatrist and a psychologist as parents? <laughs> <laughs> I, I took them to a new level because I always used to ask the question, why, why to everything. Um, they did talk to me about. Uh, their history, uh, professionally, uh, family members. Um, my mother was a woman pursuing medical school mm -hmm. in the 50s. Um, wow. Thought she wanted to be a veterinarian and then mm -hmm. decided she wanted to be a psychiatrist instead. And so, but I actually took it to a different level. And when mm -hmm. I graduated from high school, um, a few of my, many of the friends that I had, they bought me a shirt that had the word why with a question mark on it and gave it to me as a gift because I asked why about everything. Um, I like that. You're inquisitive and that's always is something important in life, I find. Yeah, incredibly. Mm. Now, oftentimes people say when you grow up with doctors, especially psychiatrists, you get damaged by their analysis, analy analyzing you all the time. 
did that happen or were they the good kind of parents? Yeah, you know, I, I think, and I've noticed with people that I've worked with, that adversity, um, difficulties in life can either make you or break you. Mm -hmm. And perhaps it's personality, perhaps it's um, some genetics, perhaps it's when you were born during the time of the year or what your birth order is, but adversity has never slowed me down. Um, and when they ask me things or when I notice their difficulties in their own either personal lives or, uh, you know, um, obstacles they had to um, overcome professionally to climb the ladder, Mm-hmm. Because my father was training to be a clinical psychologist when I was about four or five. Okay. I took a lot of mental notes, and mm-hmm. I wanted to learn from that and feel good about what I would be doing um, personally then and professionally. And I wanted to be, um, I wanted to have that fire inside of me whenever I got up in the morning and headed to work. And I, I am driven. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a personal drive for me to understand about people. And I, my friends <clears throat> know that I, for example, for Thanksgiving, I was at a table eating Thanksgiving dinner, and I had all the women talk about what they feel are the reasons or... Um, the motivating factors that they have about why they, why their marriages, um, what makes marriage or relationships long, staining, fulfilling, satisfying, uh, what they feel good about, why they have <clears throat> been together for so long, and what's the most satisfying component. And I must have had them talking about it for like 45 minutes, and one of them was a psychiatrist, and she said, I, I can't believe you guys are talking about it. And I said, well, that's kind of what I do, and that's what I'm driven to seek out. It sounds so, like you are truly passionate about what you do. Yeah, I love it. Oh, I, I love it. I, I love people that love what what they do because I'm the same way, and most of my guests actually do, which is nice, because that shows in the work you do. And I'm, I'm sure your clients notice that you really are driven to help them. Absolutely. Mm. Um People probably get a sense of me just being out in the community. I was at the fitness club the other day, and a woman made eye contact with me, and she, I smiled, and I said, how are you? And she chatted with me, and she um, okay. was given my card. Yeah. Um, people talk to me. They want to make sense of who, they're, who they have in their lives that are so significant, their husbands or their wives, their boyfriends or girlfriends or children, in-laws, and they, you know, we are social creatures. Yes, and nature, everybody has a story, and everybody has a fascinating story, I find. They do, and they yeah. want to be part of something. It might be something one-on-one, it might be part of a family, it yeah. might be part of an immediate or an extended family, it might be in-laws that they're dealing with, and they want to feel a human connection with people. Humans are driven to do that. Yes. Their evolution, it's our, it's, it's what we're internally wired to do. And people mm-hmm. want it to be, they want to feel good about that. And That's when something sure. doesn't go 
right for them. They don't feel connected in some way, um, disenfranchised in some way. They, with their families or their relationships, they they want to talk about it. Yeah, I find often it. when I see people texting across the table, that's so sad when you have a chance to talk. Exactly, and I always. For, for me, I always wonder if they're if that's their way of connecting in some um, disconnecting way. That you know, I've noticed people will one person will like a couple will be at a, at, a, at the table, and one person will get out their phone. So I'm a bit of a people watcher, and and then the other person will take out their phone immediately, no questions asked, as if. That's what they're doing together, collaboratively in some way. Um, but then I also notice that one person will break out of it, um, and then the other person will be respectful and put it down. And many a times, uh, I do this with my kids. Um, I was at a restaurant the other day, celebrated my birthday, which was on Saturday, and <clears throat> there were three very young couples, and... I was watching them. Um, the first couple sat down, and they had some really great one-on-one, and then these other two couples sat down. Next to them, 15 minutes later, they happened to know each other from school or the community in some way, and it was interesting watching the dynamics and how some of them wanted to just continue to be in their little close-knit um, interaction with whoever their date was, mm. Um And others did not. Others wanted it to be a social thing, a, more of a, a more extended social interaction and how they negotiated that. And yeah, and that's another how, important relationship that we are in the relationship to our kids and the relationship from as when we are the kids to our parents. Exactly. And what I noticed with my 12-year-old daughter was <clears throat> what I like to do personally and professionally, is I, 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 I just say something open-endedly. So I said, oh, it's, aren't they an interesting couple? Mm-hmm. She was immediately drawn to that. I, you know, she, she has that inquisitive, inquisitive nature that I have too. And so I said, you know, what do you, what do you make of them? What do you think they're doing or thinking or feeling? Are they enjoying each other? Is it the first date? Is it one of many that they've had? And we must have... She was intrigued by it because she is developing into her own ladyship and curious about dating and romantic relationships. And so that's a real interest. No, I'm curious. I'm curious. Some listeners might say, if you're a relationship counselor, are you in a relationship? Um, Well, you know, what's interesting is I've noticed that men and women define that word very differently. So if you're asking me from the women, from the female perspective, I could answer it. Um, and if you ask me from the male perspective, relationship means two different things to two different um, sexes out there. Now, that's so, an interesting topic. Absolutely. And something I noticed because I had ended a relationship, <clears throat> um, which was a marriage. Mm-hmm. I've been married for about 16 years. Um, and I wished to pursue the divorce and it, we went through it and he had, you know, he had come to a point where he knew that he needed to continue having some kind of relationship with me because of the children. Mm-hmm. And he always nurtured his relationship with his kids too. 
Um, and then I entered the dating world. And for me, I have very strong friendships with, with I'm a bit of an introvert. Yeah. And introverts have very meaningful, deep relationships with people. Um, I can be an extrovert when I need to be mm-hmm. because I enjoy the social element. If I go to the gym and I know 15 people there, um, I enjoy that. But my, my relationships are very meaningful and deep and very intimate. I, my, my friends know me very well and I know them very well. And they, we, you know, we support each other in many different ways. And so when I entered dating, I, maybe I didn't remember what it was like to date. Maybe I never knew what it was like to date because I was introverted most of the time and then met my, um, ex-husband, uh, 18, 19 years ago and, um, and was friends with him for a period of time and then was engaged to him for a period of time. I took my own time getting to know him and, you know, mm-hmm. I was intrigued by why are people drawn to each other um, now, romantically? So I that, think that is, that, is, that is quite a good thought to bring us to the first half of the show, to the end of the show, because it's so important to have deep and intimate relationships with at least your close relatives, friends, whatever you can have, and hopefully with your children. And I'm excited in the second half to talk more about what is the difference between the definition of relationships between men and women and how do you develop a deep relationship? Absolutely. Look forward to uh, discussing it. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to Healthy Alternatives here on 97.5 CIOEFM or on the web at communityradio.ca. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer, and today I'm talking with Rachel McDermott, a psychologist and mental health counselor specializing in relationships. And in the first half, we talked a little bit about why you are uh, became a counselor from the family you were with and from your uh, eager interest in the why of everything. And you mentioned that there's a difference in how women and men define or see a relationship. Tell me a little bit about that. I'm really curious to hear that. Well, men and women define several different things um, differently. I noticed that they're, they use the words <coughs> dating then relationship and then boyfriend and girlfriend very differently. Um, relationship seems to be this middle ground that both reach um, when they've gone through dating, they've checked out the scene, they've zeroed in on maybe um, uh, maybe a little bit more than five people I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> And, But the difference mm-hmm. between men and women and how they define the word relationship is women tend to put a little bit more 
emotional significance in that word um, relationship. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Is, so, what is you think that, that men are thinking primarily about a sexual partner, whereas women are thinking more about an emotional partner? Yeah, I, I, women put a lot of uh, significance in 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 having a relationship to begin with. I mm. mean, we we are drawn to we are we are drawn to um, create our relationships in our in our life, um, maintain them, and confirm them. Um, men enjoy it too, but they don't need it to the frequency or the intensity mm-hmm. as women do. And so, if you ask a man if he's in a relationship, he'll say, "Yeah, um, you know, there's some definitely an important person in my life." Women will say, "Oh, yeah, I have a relationship with him," and and they will describe the person. They will use his name over and over again, um, and the physical and the emotional overlap. Mm-hmm. So it's the physical and emotional intimacy that overlap with women, um, they're both the same. Men, interestingly, can separate the two. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they, um, they, they uh, think of uh, physical intimacy differently than women. Um, they're more objective okay. in how they define it and how they uh, think of it than women. Um, I've, I've told a number of people that men... Um, men need sex to find love and they need that physical act. Um, they actually use um, sexual intimacy to reach a certain goal. But women, women don't use sex to find love. They need love first yeah. in, in order to find, in order to reach the, the physical intimate intimacy state. I really like they, that uh, definition. There's There's many older couples that have been together for a while and it would be interesting to get your perspective on that that for some reason or the other sex is no longer possible or wanted uh, and they still are happy together so there is a possibility for both to thrive on the emotional uh, in intimacy without physical act of intimacy part well absolutely i you know i i have one client who's in her 80s and she's living with her boyfriend um, in an arrangement and they, you know, their, their, their boundaries and who they are to each other and what they allow individually and socially into their lives has been well established over the years mm. and they are very happy with each other. And it's, you know, it's very unique depending on what couple, uh, you talk to. Yes. Um, and it's fascinating. So as a as a counselor and seeing many, many people with relationship issues, what would you say makes a good, deep relationship last and make it? Yeah, it's funny that you ask that because I've asked probably about 50 to 60 couples. Um, sometimes when they're together, sometimes when they're not together, what they find um, is, is the uh, stronghold. Or the, the glue, um, the pin that keeps them together for so long. I've gotten a variety of responses. Um, but I feel that sense of humor, um, wit, because if someone is getting drawn into an argument and someone brings some levity to it, 
then you can get through it. You know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that the person understands that there's some seriousness to it, but there's going to be, uh, you know, there's some, some, some way of, of stepping out for a moment mm-hmm. and not getting so wrapped up in the intensity. So a uh, sense of humor, wit, um, knowing when to laugh, <clears throat> um, never going to bed angry. Mm-hmm. I've talked to a number of couples and they say we never go to bed angry. Um, knowing that there's going to be battles is another um, mm-hmm. another component, knowing that there's going to be ups and downs. And I think um, respect is also very important that you can respect each other and uh, uh, actually uh, hold a difference if there is one without seeing it as a personal attack. Right. Mm. You can agree to disagree. Right, right. Uh, what kind of communication style would you recommend if somebody wants a good, deep relationship? Any specifics? Um, well, it's interesting because what I'm thinking about the differences between men and women. Mm. Um, there's ways, ways to communicate. There's ways to communicate with what you do and what you say. Mm-hmm. So there's behavior and then there's words. And... I think couples, um, I'm just going to, I recognize that there's gay couples out there. Yeah. I'm going to refer back to men and women because I just, because whatever I say about men can apply to a gay couple Mm -hmm. where there are two men involved and likewise with two women. Sure. Um, I think what is most productive is for men and women to recognize their differences. Women use words to communicate and men use behavior to communicate. Yeah. So when women want to gain some ground to communicate something to their boyfriend or their husband, um, it's helpful to watch their, the boyfriend's behavior and listen to their behavior. Women are very tuned into listening to words or talking words and, communicating with words, and if they listen to a man's behavior, watch his behavior, step into his shoes and watch what he's doing. If he steps back, which a lot of women don't understand why a man will just stop communicating about something and step away, not return phone calls, not return texts, um, not want to communicate about something, they need time to breathe and they need to think about what they're going to say. A lot of men have a difficult time feeling something while they're saying something. So when they don't say anything, then they're thinking about it and they're experiencing how they feel about it. And then when they're ready to step into it, they go back. Um, Men would benefit with listening to a woman's words, listen to what she's, you know, watch the words, but listen to the words, um, how she's saying them. Is she saying them angrily? Is she saying them in a sad way? Is she saying them in a confused way, and that will help them gain insight into where she's coming from. Um, now, those are really and, valuable tips because everybody that's in a relationship, whether men, women, or same sex, doesn't matter, they uh, have to communicate in some way. And it's very interesting and very important, really, as you say, to see the differences. Yeah, and to respect the differences too. Mm-hmm. I have told, I have counseled many women who um, they don't understand why the man's not 
discussing anything. Um, there was a comedian that once said, that, you know, there were two women and they were, one of them was listening to the other friend's problems. Mm-hmm. And this woman was complaining that her boyfriend wouldn't return her phone calls or, um, you know, just wasn't um, being responsive. And, and then the, her friend had said, you know, I don't understand why he's not, you know, he doesn't seem supportive. Men would understand completely why that her boyfriend was stepping away. He mm-hmm. had to take a breather and figure out what he wanted to say. So a lot of the times um, men have a hard time feeling at the same time that they're speaking and they separate the two. They compartmentalize the, the thoughts versus the feeling. No, that's and women really... can do that very easily. They can mm-hmm. feel angry and express that um, um, no. and say, I'm, I'm feeling angry when yeah. you do that. And uh, um, For men, it takes a while. And that is a real good thought to bring us to the end of today's show. Now, Rachel, if somebody listens to that and would like to contact you, how do they get to you for questions or email? Um, I can be reached in a number of ways. Uh, I have a company name, Purpose of Planning. Purpose, take out the E and add an I-V-E. So purposeofplanning.com is my website. Purpose of Planning is my company name. And if you need to reach me by email, um, it, my email is rmcdermottpurposeofplanning at gmail.com. Now, that's wonderful. And thank you so much, Rachel, for being on the show. It's a pleasure to have you there. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. It's been a pleasure uh, discussing it with you. And this brings me to the end of today's show. Please don't hesitate to contact me with any questions, thoughts, comments, or suggestions. Or if you'd like to contact Rachel, forgot her contact email. My email here is christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, at communityradio.ca. Or you can contact me through my website, docchristine.com. And I'm always grateful for any feedback. I also want to extend a special thank you to today's producer, Jim Francis and Murray. You might not know this, but this is a volunteer-run non-profit radio station. Thank you all for listening to Healthy Alternatives. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Sauer. Tune in next Thursday at noon on 97.5 CIOEFM Community Radio for the next episode. Goodbye and have a great day.